This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us and for following Working Like Dogs on Instagram and Facebook. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co host is my adorable service dog, Lovey. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to be talking with Dr. Teresa Connor Kerr, who's the Dean of the University of North Georgia College of Health Sciences and Professions, and Dr. Sue Ann Kalish, who is an Associate Professor at the University of North Georgia. And they're going to be talking with us today about some fascinating and groundbreaking research they've been doing regarding guide dogs and the people with vision loss who are the guide dog handlers. So I'm really excited about their research and how it's going to impact assistance dog users in the future. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome them to the show. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Um, we're so excited to have Dr. Teresa Connor Kerr and Dr. Sue Ann Kalish with us today. Hello, ladies, and welcome. Hello. Hi, Marcy. It's good to be with you today. Awesome. We're so excited that you can be with us. We really want to hear about the work that you're doing. And and I guess, Teresa, if you could start and just tell us about your project and how you came up with the idea to research guide dog users. Well, uh, Sue Ann and I are both physical therapists, and Sue Ann has an interest in dogs. And I have uh, an interest in wound care, and we came together on a project. I had been uh, leading a wound care clinic for a number of years and noticed that when I had individuals come in that had uh, vision issues and had their guide dogs, that their posture looked uncomfortable. And I would watch them ambulate and sit, and I always was curious whether that was an uncomfortable posture and whether they had any orthopedic injuries. And when I became dean here at uh, University of North Georgia, I met Sue Ann. She was working on a therapeutic dog project. We began to talk and thought we should ask this question and see if the posture is just a natural posture and is comfortable or if perhaps there were problems with the posture being in a, kind of a sustained position using the current handles that uh, individuals use with their guide dogs. 
Wow. Well, I was so excited when I heard about this because as I have been a handler for over 25 years and definitely have had some shoulder issues. So I was just thrilled to see that physical therapists and especially researchers were really starting to look at this. So Sue Ann, can you tell us about how you got people involved, how you started collecting your data? Oh, I would be delighted. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, once Teresa and I kind of started putting our thoughts together, we really just needed to, we wanted to just ask the question, do you have pain? Um, Because while things might seem like they look painful, or, you know, sometimes they're not, that our human bodies are amazingly adaptable. So we began to, along with some um, brilliant students of our uh, physical therapy department and our department head, Mary Ellen Osterley, we began to put together just some questions, so a little survey to send out and see if indeed what we were seeing is what guide dog users perhaps were feeling. And I have to say, along with all good research, our first one, our first attempt was not incredibly successful, except we learned a great deal about uh, how to maybe ask better questions and, and have a more thorough survey. So by that time, another group of students had joined us, and one student was very active in guide dog users for the Georgia guide dog users for the blind. She was a puppy, a puppy raiser. So she came in and gave us a great deal of insight into the actual use and the mechanics and the training of a guide dog and what the guide dog user perhaps might be experiencing. And from there, we formulated a really nice survey and got a nice response right back. And that began to to begin the flourishing of, of all of these amazing ideas and projects that we are very curious about with guide dog users and their guide dogs. Yeah. Well, Sue Ann, so how did you pick the people to send the surveys to? It was a convenient sample. That's what we uh, we talked about in research. There was a closed Facebook group that we got connected with. There were all guide dog handlers, and so that we just happened to use a um, a convenient sample with this particular. There are plenty. There are plenty of guide dog user closed Facebook groups out there, and this is one that our student was connected with and had some experts that helped us vet this project. So uh, because Teresa and I do not have a vision impairment, we wanted to make sure that the questions we were asking were relevant. So we had a lot of good expert opinion to look at our questions as well. So that's, uh, that's the group that we sent the survey to. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. And Teresa, can you tell us about some of the questions that you guys developed and how you changed the questions once you were interacting with that group? Uh, we've had some findings that were interesting. We, we, of course, began with demographic questions just to get a general view of the group we were working with. And then we began to ask about whether they had uh, pain in any joint of their body. And one of the things that came out in the survey, um, in our second survey as we were refining it, was when we got the uh, data back was that folks were having falls. And this was not what we expected. And this was prior to guide dog use that we were seeing most of these falls. So we had expected that perhaps there could be some orthopedic or musculoskeletal pain, but we were not anticipating the reports that we were seeing with falls. And um, so Anne, I think, can describe more of what we were seeing with that. But we saw that with the use of guide dogs, the number of falls went down precipitously. And then we saw some very interesting results around uh, musculoskeletal pain. 
Wow, that's awesome. Sue Ann, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, what popped into my mind was, you know, that dogs are truly a a man's best friend or a a human's best friend because the interpretation of our data was that uh, most of the falls occurred with guide dog users because they didn't pay attention to their dog. (laughs) <laughs> or they weren't using their dog. So I thought, you know, I mean, that's, we've got this great yep. tool and aren't we humans so silly sometimes <laughs> that we just, uh, we just march along without it. So I just thought that was fairly brilliant finding with that. Wow, that is. Well, I can't tell you guys how many times I tell Lovey, if I would just listen and pay attention to you, we'd be much better <laughs> off. Isn't that so true? Oh, my goodness, that's true. That's so great. Well, that's really profound, you know, because, and the falling, my goodness, that's so, gosh, that's so dangerous for someone who has vision loss that has a whole other level of, of concern about people falling. That's, wow. And so were there any other things, Sue Ann, that really stuck out in the data that you were collecting? I think we were, other than that, I think we were pretty spot on in uh, picking up uh, some shoulder pain and complaints and really the left upper extremity, the left arm really stood out. And we had to be very careful because we said, but of course it was the arm, but, but we still have a great deal of work to do because we're not so sure if it's just the shoulder if it's the way they're holding the harness, or is it maybe even something in their trunk or their hips that they are turning that might be causing this shoulder pain? So this is certainly just the tip of the iceberg. Well, and Teresa, are you following them over a period of time, or was it just a one-time survey that they completed? It was a one-time survey uh, for this first two series of studies, and now we're beginning to look at some work around how they walk and how they respond with their dog. And we have plans to get into a laboratory setting where we can actually put markers on the individual and or the dog and really study their motion and movement. And we thought about doing some functional studies where we might actually be able to use what are called gyroscopes and accelerometers to look at uh, how people move in their environment and even to track their movement throughout the day. So as Suzanne was saying, we're very early on in looking at the individuals that we're studying, and we certainly need to have uh, more of a, uh, a study over long term. But early on, it's real exciting because the falls dropped from 30% with individuals who did not use guide dogs to just 5% with individuals who use guide dogs. And most of those, as Suzanne said, were attributed to not paying attention to the cue of the dog. Wow, that's awesome. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see Pick of the Litter. Have you guys seen that movie yet? I have not, no. but I am making a note. Yes, I cannot encourage you to watch it enough. It's the whole process of how guide dogs are selected yes. and the placement. And we did an interview with the director, so you can. I encourage you to listen to that podcast that we did. Oh, yes. Um, we'll and then that. I encourage you, it's on um, Netflix. It's available on Netflix or Amazon. So, yeah, I believe it's on Netflix. I watched it over the holidays and it's so good. And it's so, it gives such an honest depiction of the process of how guide dogs become guide dogs. And it will give you guys, I think, some really interesting insights into the process and how the the handlers are working with their dogs. It's, It's a pretty powerful documentary. 
I think too, Marcy, I, we have had the opportunity to talk to some of the uh, the owners or the people affiliated with the guide dog schools. That was really all quite by accident. I was We were preparing for a uh, national poster presentation with our research and it actually been nominated for a, a research award in uh, the Physical Therapy Association. And I just wanted some real pictures of guide dog users with their guide dogs. And I started looking through the different schools. And of course, I was asking permission and was receiving. They were incredibly, many of the schools were incredibly generous to give us permission to use these pictures that they had had on their website. And then that's when some really casual, some great casual discussion began about their dogs and the geneticists that they have to really try to develop, from what I understand, very, very shallow knowledge, but to try to really develop this great canine that can be of, of such service to visually impaired people. So I can imagine I'm very excited to have a look at the movie and to listen to your podcast. I was at a conference last week and one of the uh, participants um, was a woman who had vision loss and she had her guide dog with her. And I was practically stalking them because I just loved watching them work together. It was so incredible how she had never been in this building and how she could just give a command of, you know, door and the dog would take her right to the bathroom. And, and there yes. were lots of doors. There were lots of doors through yes. that bathroom door. And he always took her to the women's bathroom. And then we, you know, yeah. we, had, we had treats out. You know, we had uh, all kinds of food out. And he took her to the table for her to get her plate. And people had dropped food all over where he was standing. And I just watched him look at those things like, wow, that looks so good. And he just left it alone. I mean, the training and the devotion and the focus that these came nines have is just it's way more than the service dogs like lovey it's just the guide dogs are just it's pretty unbelievable to get your head around the work that they do and the impact that they have on people who are blind or have vision loss i agree marcy we have had we have two and uh, amazing advisors that come to ung and when we are developing a project and they are both visually impaired, one has had uh, has been using guide dogs for 20 years and the other one has been using a guide dog for five. And the guide dogs are very different. They're from two different schools. But the you are so right. The commands, finding an elevator, find the women's restroom. Yes. This is, I have no idea. I've really, I, I'm just, I'm just as curious about that process as this injury assessment and this overuse yes. assessment because it yeah. is amazing. It is amazing. It, it's, it is. It, I mean, the respect I have for both the team, for the handler and the dog is just, yeah, it's yes. it's tremendous. Yeah. Well, we are going to continue talking because um, we I have lots more questions for you, but Very we're going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. We love our sponsors and we'll be right back. So come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. DGP is an all-natural formula proven to help aging pets with joint and mobility problems. It goes to work quickly, providing vital nutrients to the joints while reversing the effects of age. Some people see results in as little as seven days. Don't let your dog struggle another day. Call 800-521-0543 or visit dgpforpets.com and enter the code WORK 
W-O-R-K for 25% off your first order and free shipping. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're so happy to have Dr. Teresa Connor Kerr and Dr. Sue Ann Kalish with us today. And they're talking about the really awesome research that they're doing at the University of North Georgia College of Health Sciences and Professions. So before the break, we were talking about just how amazing this is and how amazing guide dogs are in general. But tell us a little bit more about how your research process, Suan, has been working. How are your students engaged and, and how do you actually, how have you been conducting this research and analyzing the data? I'll be delighted to. We just have, we have a great group of students at the University of North Georgia in the physical therapy department and our department head, along with Dr. Connor Kerr, just great, encourages such collaboration and supports the faculty to collaborate with each other because our, our faculty is so talented with biomechanists and certified special clinical specialists. And so it's, it's kind of like going shopping in this really great store that just has the best of everything and the equipment that uh, Dr. Connor Kerr and Dr. Osterley have provided. So Many times we we try to get together at least once a week to discuss where our research platform is going and what particular project is going on at, at uh, or is taking kind of the lead. We have several projects that are just overlapping each other, and we are collaborating with the uh, a kinesiologist who is Dr. Greg Polivo and. <laughs> And he is helping us, uh, just pulling all of just brilliant minds together to look at, have a multidimensional look at these issues that are, are facing the uh, visually impaired guide dog users. And then we always have at least three to four students from each of our cohorts that sit in with us because they add a great deal of conversation and insight as well in into our project. So these are meetings, I, I was saying during the break, that they could just go on and on in the ideas that are generated in these meetings. We just take notes furiously and go back and try to, to decide exactly, okay, so which project are we really focusing on now because we love all of them. So that's, that's how our process usually works, that we have a statistician that helps guide us. And again, our, our department head, Dr. Osterley, is, uh, is really great in, uh, in methods. Dr. Connor Kerr is great in, in helping us design our study and in the methodology and, uh, and in writing. So it's just the best team ever. I, I have no words. I'm so fortunate to be affiliated with such a team. Well, it does sound like a dream team. It sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Indeed. Well, and. And Teresa, I want to ask you, so where are you guys getting funding to support this research? Is it funded by a grant or how are you supporting it? Well, we're fortunate because a lot of what we're doing right now is low cost uh, with our surveys and using Facebook and engaging experts. Everybody's been generous with their time and we're looking for uh, research funding. We're exploring some avenues currently and we also have a great deal of equipment where we can study motion and look at how 
the individuals with vision impairment move with their dog. And so, again, it's all low cost because we have everything in place right now. And it's exciting, as Suanne was uh, stating, when you look at the department, we have a number of different experts. And our doctor of physical therapy students are required to do a doctoral project. And so we've had no shortage of students wanting to be on this project. <laughs> Everyone loves dogs. Uh, so I, it's a very popular project. And so as far as, you know, being able to have the students, we're able also to support them to go and present nationally through some monies at the university. We have other monies that will support students to have graduate assistantships. So right now we're very fortunate in what we're doing, but as we move forward and begin to look at some design issues and to study maybe some other elements of the guide dog handle, we'll be looking for perhaps funding from companies or from other avenues, foundations to support that work. Yeah, I mean, I could see this, I mean, really how you could tailor this research could really be endless because of the need around any kind of assistance dog handler. I'm sure you'll be expanding that probably in the future from guide dog handlers to other types because it it is such a huge need and there's really nothing's been done of it to really do some research and gather data. I don't think that, I think there's been very little done, if anything. And I was also thinking about how how this is going to impact the future of the guide dog harness. What are you seeing, Sue Ann, specifically related to the harness? Right. This is something that is really, you know, that's about the dog and the handler because it is that interface with the guide dog user's hand as it touches the handle. And then that handle transmits or the forces or the, the information from the dog back up to the handler So that the handler knows when they feel the harness dip and the handle dip, they're anticipating a stair, going down a step. When they feel the harness rise, the dog is rising, then they can anticipate going up a step. So that is that intimate, intricate connection right there at the handle is so important and so we have to we have to maintain the sensitivity of that connection and at the same time address any issue both from a dog perspective because these dogs are wearing harnesses 8 hours a day perhaps you know they are working and they're working hard so there are studies that talk about pressures that these harnesses put on the dog's shoulders and spine. And then we're trying to address the pressures that perhaps holding the handle is transmitting to the guide dog user's shoulder or back or neck. We're not really sure where it is. So that is really going to be where our focus, I, I think, ends up is trying to preserve this intimate communication connection at the same time maximizing ergonomic comfort and safety uh, for both of the ends that are attached to that handle, be it human or canine. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure that that fitting, what you're doing will impact how assistance dog agencies will do that fitting for the harness to the, based on the specific user, then they could apply that, right? Exactly. Right. Yes. So that's that's what we're looking for is to try to, as Teresa uh, has said, we're trying to look for maybe some standardization, particularly with the human 
that we can get them a the guide dog that they need for whatever purpose, whether it's fast walking, slow walking, riding a bus, wherever it is that they need to use their dog, but that we can still get some standardization of fit so that we can minimize any of the ergonomic stress that they might feel with this handle and this harness. Yeah, that's amazing. I know not too long ago, I, I heard about a segment on the, one of the morning shows of where they're now training the guide dogs to actually be runners so that people who are blind or have vision <laughs> loss can be runners, which I loved that. I thought Isn't that was that so great. great. Yeah. yeah. But imagine, it's, it's, it's interesting. imagine how important it would be that their harness or leash, whatever they choose to use, is fit properly to them if they're going to be running long distances. Right. So now we're talking a completely different design. And and the philosophy that I have learned among the different schools is so varying that that this is uh, this running and hiking is really going to be interesting. And I think industry changing in that it will add what I think is quality of life to the guide dog user and to the guide dog jogging and hiking and climbing. And longevity, too, because if they're healthier and not having pain and not falling, then that's going to increase their work life for both of them, for the human and the canine. So it's just win-win all the way around. Well, Teresa, can you tell us what are some of your future plans? What are you guys thinking as you're going forward? Well, we're currently working on a new project where we're looking at what's called the uh, metabolic call, Suzanne started to discuss this. Uh, We're working with Dr. Greg Polivo and our biostatistician, Dr. Robert Powers, who's the other researcher that's been with us throughout our projects. And so what we're curious about is how much energy it takes an individual to walk with a cane versus a guide dog. And the reason we're interested in this is Certainly, some questions around fitness, as we hope we're able to see people become more fit with the running and the hiking, but also, just like the rest of us, individuals will get chronic disease, and oftentimes, physical therapists work with people who have chronic disease, whether it's cancer or multiple sclerosis, and we have to help individuals conserve their energy as they move around in their environment because they fatigue. So, if we know what uh, apparatus, whether it's the cane or use of the handle with the dog costs the individual the least amount of energy, we can help them plan their day. And what we're seeing is there's such a positivity or lack of information and data on so many aspects of working with the guide dog that we feel like there's endless questions to ask. And we're fortunate because one of the things that we do differently, and uh, it's a, a brand new curriculum, it's a novel curriculum that's not being taught anywhere in the U.S. In our physical therapy department, we have what's called Idea for Rehab, and it's based around the student can pick a project where they develop a, a novel application, novel device, a novel approach that they will then research and see if it's been patented, trademarked, copyrighted, and they'll take it through the full development process, hopefully to the point where we'll do clinical trials and they'll even work to get um, that new device implemented into the market. So we're trying to teach them to be very entrepreneurial, and we think this pairs really well with all of the movement we're beginning to see and the need for new devices with individuals with low vision. Oh, that's excellent on so many fronts. That's really great. And Sue Ann, do you have anything? What are your thoughts about future plans for the research going forward? 
Oh, I just, it is just so exciting because we haven't, you know, I started out looking at the dog and Teresa was assessing the person. So we're, we're up at the person, but a physical therapist have an opportunity to work with animals through some specialized training and of course, uh, state to state uh, practice acts, but we haven't even started looking at the guide dog and their needs and what type of physical therapy assistance that they could need. We want to look at training physical therapists to work with guide dog users and with guide dogs. You know, often it's, it's just kind of a happenstance when they come into a typical physical therapy clinic, but we hope to collect enough data and Hopefully, our findings are such that we can actually be a bit prescriptive in some certain examinations and assessments that a physical therapist might want to use if they are treating a guide dog user or if they have chosen to specialize in canine rehabilitation, that they can offer uh, assistance to both. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I've been working with a physical therapist, a canine physical therapist for the last year and a half and just Very have good. a whole new appreciation for that. And it's really uh, for my retired service dog for Whistle. And it really was amazing how much the physical therapy has helped him. It yes. was just yeah, it was really tremendous. I was not educated about it, and I have gotten more educated about it and seen the benefits. So yes, I mean, for like again, for the human and for the canine, your your results can really be so impactful for both. It's right, tremendous. Right. Well, I know we could talk. I could talk to you about guys about this all day, and I know that you guys have to get back to work. I know how busy you are, but I want to ask you if you could just tell our listeners how they could get more information about your project, or could they even, if they're interested in participating in future studies with you, how could they do that? And I don't know, Teresa, do you want to answer that for us, or Sue Ann? I would recommend that they take a look at the uh, University of North Georgia website for the College of Health Science and Professions. And I don't mind sharing my email, and I know Sue Ann would like to share hers. We would love to hear from the community because we feel like we need to reach out further and further into the community and be guided and see through their eyes what they think we need to ask and study. And Mm -hmm. so my email is Teresa, T-E-R-E-S-A dot Connor, C-O-N-N-E-R hyphen K-E-R-R at U-N-G dot E-D-U. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. And I would love to hear from you as well. My uh, my email is Sue Ann, a good Southern name, S-U-E-A-N-N dot Kalish, K-A-L-I-S-H at U-N-G dot E-D-U. Please, uh, we would love to hear from you. And we have already heard from some people around the country with uh, with our project. The more, more is better. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, and we will make those email addresses available on our website as well. And I think I would love to do a blog posting about this too. So we will definitely Great. be putting out some information because this is this is really the future. I really think it is. And, and how we as canine handlers can function with higher quality of life. Again, not only for ourselves, but for our dogs as well. So that's why I was so excited you guys could be with us. And I hope you'll come back and report on to us about your results as you work forward and, and get more information and learn and study new aspects of this research. So really hope you guys will come back. Thank you. Oh, we, we, would, love- we would love to come back. 
Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We love for you to join us. And we just really want to thank Dr. Teresa Connor Kerr and Dr. Sue Ann Kalish for joining us today. What wonderful work you guys are doing. And we also really want you to keep staying in touch with us. We love to hear from you. So please keep your emails coming at Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And as always, Lovey and I invite you to follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We love connecting with you and seeing the photos of your amazing working dogs. So thanks so much and take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.